Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katerina, and this is another narrative journey exploring risk-taking, creativity, and innovation in business and art, where we ask one question. How can we overcome our fears, live outside the box, and transform ourselves and our community? Our relationship with the public is fragile. We tend to worry a lot about what others think about us. It is often this concern over that one misstep that could ruin our reputation, cost us our job, or destroy relationships that prevents us from doing what we know is right. Yet, it is said that we should worry more about our character, because that is who we really are, and less about our reputation, which is what others think about us. And as my guest later on points out, our vibe attracts our tribe. But how do we strike the balance between standing up for what we believe in, or how do we break down a stigma while retaining a good reputation? My guest today is public relations specialist, Tracy Lamuri, who has a wealth of experience of not only fighting social inequality, but also selecting clients who are media worthy and getting them recognized for their contribution to society. Public relations specialists are the people behind the people. Their job is simple, build and maintain the positive public image of their clients, who can range from celebrities to politicians to entrepreneurs. They write media releases, manage campaigns, coordinate fundraising. In short, they make sure their clients get the attention they want. If Tracy's reputation is anything to go by, she's spectacular at her job. As managing director of Lamuri Media, she has won multiple awards, partly because she's a rather peculiar human being, known worldwide for her determination to stand up for those whose voices have been stolen. Before we learn more about this woman of fire, a kind reminder that if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with someone who might enjoy it too. You can come and say hello on Instagram at regeneration.studio or at regenerationcat on Clubhouse and check out our YouTube channel for tips on living outside of the box yourself. We also have a Regeneration Studio app, which we're always excited about. And you can find this in the Google Play Store. It puts all of our content, including our YouTube videos, in one place for easy access. So go on and check it out. Okay, this was a roller coaster of an interview, so let's get to it. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me and for the very kind introduction. Thank you. You're welcome. So you will be able to introduce yourself much better than I can. To give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there is a film soon to be released called La Muri. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? <laughs> that would be quite the film, but I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I think it's going to be a series instead of a film. All right. Mini series. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, these days, what I'm known for these days is, you know, quote unquote, international award winning publicists working across industries. And I do work with, as you said, celebrities and TV people and filmmakers and authors but i also work with entrepreneurs and you know not-for-profits and you know individuals who just have an important message to get out there so i like to say i elevate and celebrate what people are doing and every single project i take on i really believe in that's for real i think it wouldn't be ethical to take on something that i didn't have a heart for because then i wouldn't know how to present it anyway and i wouldn't know who the audience was and so yeah in my background i came to this work i didn't go to school for this i didn't have 
publicist in my mind. It's quite funny that I end up in this career that is is elevated itself. And that you know, when they want to make somebody cool on TV, they make them a publicist. And you know, it's VIP yeah. parties and uh, you know award shows and all that. And that's part of it. But I certainly didn't come to that or look for that. I literally learned how to write a press release in my late twenties to help let the world know about an innocent guy who was on death row. So I was just in sales, entry-level jobs, you know, never thought about making a career out of messaging. You know, nobody else was helping this guy named Jimmy Dennis uh, on death row, or a few people were, but weren't getting heard Mm -hmm. on death row in Pennsylvania who was claiming to be innocent. He sent us all his information. We were convinced. We basically started a 25-year campaign. Now the world knows he was released in 2017. But my personal story from that too is that I learned somewhere along that line, (laughs) I learned and I thought, gee, wait a minute, this is stuff I could monetize uh, and make a living out, out of it, that I, out of something mm-hmm. I love and do for other people that need to be heard you know, what I did not for profit over there because I learned how I, I learned that I know how to manage the media basically and so I learned how to do that for other people for whom it's a mystery. Yeah. Yes, that's so true and that's such an amazing journey that you've had. It's crazy, you couldn't write that. <laughs> Scene one, Power Woman. You are a public relations thought leader, in other words, a PR of note, as we have established. Originally a human rights activist, though, you eventually co-found Lemurie Media with your husband, Dave Parkinson, and you work with a range of clients, including celebrities, businesses, authors, artists, and so on. Now, describe the first time you realized the world was an unfair place. The first time, oh gosh, I don't remember ever not knowing that, you know, and I mean, Mm. I was privileged. I mean, I wasn't, you know, rich and that kind of privilege, but I mean, you know, growing up middle-class white girl in Canada, certainly didn't have it hard, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I remember even from very young being conscious, when you ask what the first time, I remember getting upset about racism really young. I remember being in cars with family members who were mad at, you know, the other driver. And for whatever reason, they're mad at the other driver and they would go right to like racial epitaph, you know, like all that. Mm -hmm. And I remember being really little and saying like, that's not nice. That's not fair. And having family members say literally to me, whose side are you on? And I was like... (laughs) the side of fair, you know, has nothing yeah, to do with like, why are you yelling about the yeah. color, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess I've always been conscious of, but I guess mo- most kids are super conscious of fair. So maybe a better question would even be, when did you realize you could maybe do something about that unfairness, you know? Yes. Because I think and when you're little, you're always like, that's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah, but we're like, true. life's not fair is what we're told, right? Exactly. But sometimes you have to be like, well, you know what? I can make things a little bit more fair and we all can in our little you know, world if we try. And sometimes if we try outside of our world, who would have thought that in Canada, you know, I'm not even in America. How could I have any impact on what they do in America? You know, I didn't, I wasn't a lawyer. I wasn't even a publicist, but you know, I was like, no, I'm going to have a voice. And that encouraged other people to have a voice. And it gave hope to that guy as well. who was, you know, on death row having to never, never give up. And until he was freed finally and, now we get to listen to his music because he's a recording artist these days. Yes. Once again, it it's just shows an incredible story. And right? <laughs> I think what, what I meant by the question was really just like, 
when did you feel it was so unfair that you wanted to do something about it? And maybe you've explained that already. You no, know, it's a really good question because no one does ever ask me that. And you made me think back to wait, when did I? Which yeah. brought me that car as a really young yeah. kid. Yeah. But then that made me think, but wait a minute, I guess all kids have that. That's not mm -hmm. fair thing, yeah, right? Exactly. Whether it's about that or just Bob got the other bigger side of the pizza. <laughs> you know what fair. I mean? So that no, your yeah. question was good. Yeah. It made me think, when did I realize that? And wait a minute, yeah. then I realized all kids probably realize that. But when do they do something, right? So Exactly. And that's true. And very few people actually go over into action. So thank you for pointing that out. Because we don't feel empowered. <laughs> no, exactly. And this is uh, what my next question is about, because our rights and whether they're respected or not come down to a question of power. So who has it, who has not? And how those with the power have the means to influence not only the wider community to believe certain truths, but also that then just kind of spills over into everything else. And this is often through media. So being a human rights activist first sometimes means challenging those with power. And that's what we were talking about just now. So firstly, what has kept your passion for human rights burning? You know, I think a lot of people are passionate about things, but again, but why, why do I do the things and why did I continue? And I come back to, you know, when I was really young, I realized that if I raised my voice, I, I, I learned in life experience things can happen because I wasn't in a privileged place when I was a kid. I wasn't a publicist. I didn't have these platforms, but yet I was brave enough to be like, you know what? That's what I'm and because I did that, you know, things always seem to happen. So that taught me really young that we have the power. You know, yeah. we don't have that kind of power, but we yeah. also have a power if we like let each other know or, you know, get together on things or educate or speak out sometimes. Sometimes just one voice can make a difference too when people yeah. don't understand what's happening. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then secondly, can you give an example of how you have openly questioned power? So turning that passion into action. Um, you probably have a lot of examples, but. <laughs> a million yeah my whole yeah. I always said you know <laughs> question authority you know I had a button said question authority when I was young and I still believe that because but, but even today I mean you know it's not just rebelliousness for the sake of rebelliousness it's always question all the information you're getting who benefits not in a conspiracy way you have to like be sensible too but who benefits from what I'm hearing you know who would and so I don't know, I'm sorry I got to try a little bit off track oh how do you question power one example one example of when you have questioned power so one that 20-year campaign you know with Jimmy Dennis is the obvious because yeah. people would have said you know you're crazy for even how are you ever going to open you can't do a thing how can you possibly fight that you mm -hmm. know it's like when, when people say you know, you can't change the world, which you hear a lot if you're an activist. You know, one person can't change the world. You always say, no, you know, but you can, though. Maybe you can't, but I can because yeah. I believe I can. And I have before and I will again. And if you believed you could, you could too, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, so always I question it all the time. You know, in my personal life, you know, obviously a good example is you can't just question your so-called enemies and give your friends or, or the organizations you support a pass because that's actually the, the essence of corruption is to let our friends or whoever get away with things yeah. that we would, you know, attack other people for. That's literally the essence of corruption. You know, for political parties, like in the past, I was a passionate part, you know, NDP, New Democratic Party of Canada, is, you know, our lefty, lefty party. And, you know, I, I'm was a passionate supporter of them for years, campaign manager and everything else. And I feel like they're not who they were anymore. I still mm -hmm. am the same way. I still yeah. support all those left things. But I had to challenge. They're coming back now. I like their current leader. But a couple of years ago, they were going 
pretty much to the middle slash right to try mm-hmm. to get the vote of the mainstream and to do yeah. that, which is fine. I mean, they weren't radical. I wasn't trying to stay radical, but you know, you can't get rid of all the things that make us for the people and then just have the name. So I was challenging the power of the party, you know, just to, to not like lose the soul of the party in that case. And that was difficult because, you know, all my friends, all my compatriots, all my everybody there, we all have believed that this is the, this, this is the framework that does the right stuff. So when you yeah. challenge the framework that you believe in, that's harder than challenging the framework that you already know you don't believe in. So we have to question our own power structures and our own groups as well. Yes, that's such a great point that you've just made, because it's true. You have to be really clear on what your values are and then from there act and decide who you support and who you're not. And that might change depending on, well, their values. So now... Since your time as a human rights activist, you have set up Lemurie Media. As you pointed out in the introduction, you discovered that you can do these media releases and they they (laughs) have an impact. Mm, So They work. (laughs) Yeah, they work. And you can do it as a job. (laughs) So you've also won multiple awards that celebrate women who inspire and have a lasting impact on their communities. Now, your PR agency is successful to the extent that you can choose which clients you work with, and therefore you can also pick the projects that you truly believe in. Can you describe a major crossroad that led you to start Lemuria Media? So the moment that you thought, okay, I'm going to do this, okay? And then what did you decide and what was the result? Yeah, so at that time, it was literally, and it was before Lemuria Media, and it was even before Lemuria PR, Mm -hmm. because the first thing I did in the space was I became a a freelancer for a couple years, Mm -hmm. and then I started the companies, right, once I got it. But it was literally an aha moment. And this is where other people should pay attention, because it could be theirs. They may not have that death row story, or obviously, or whatever Mm -hmm. else, but everybody has something in their life that they're passionate about, whether it's a hobby, or something like to read. You You have stuff you're good at that you've never considered as a day job it's not part of your nine to five so i was doing literally i was still doing telesales basically telemarketing but it was inside sales for company i was doing because i could do it from home and still do all that death penalty and all the activist Mm -hmm. stuff it literally just hit me one day no i don't want to make 25 calls again in the next hour and then for every hour after that about something i don't care about as much as iso 9000 is important (laughs) it's not a passion of mine or whatever i was selling this is tracy calling from something i really don't care about again yeah exactly. you know and you're doing it because you're doing it because you know yeah. that's just what you, you got to get to the page of the next week yeah, exactly. so i was just lucky i don't know why i wish it occurred to me when i was 30 mm-hmm. you know because i started the, the advocacy with the media when i was 28 mm-hmm. but it wasn't until i was 41 that it hit me you know what this is a, i think they call that a publicist i was like i'm not doing this anymore and I, from that moment i literally was like i am not making 25 calls you know what i'm doing i'm a publicist huh and because we have the power of the screens in front of us now even more so now but even 10 years ago back then i was like okay how do i figure this out i'm going to get some people that are going to pay me to do what i've done here to write the media all i need is one that i can show what i can do mm-hmm. and so then i went to like elance which i think what is called upwork now and you know I'll do it for really cheap. And I did a really good bio. Here's what I've done before. Just get that one person to hire me. Kill it. Just do a really good job. I ended up meeting Angela Sadler Williamson, who's still with me on that. She's a cousin of Rosa Parks. One of my first clients was Rosa Parks' cousin oh, from right. Elance, like okay. Upwork. And she's still with me like years yeah. later. Amazing. But I was able to start developing. Yeah. You know, but it was literally that moment when I was like, wait a minute, no. 
and believing in myself for that. It was when you look back on it, it's because for that one second, I was like, huh. It was literally like a light bulb moment. Like when you said light bulb, literally like yeah. that. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do this. And then from that day, I didn't anymore. So the lesson there is like, and I was able to do that because I was at home doing it. Mm-hmm. So I could just sort of put that aside and start to switch up here and see, hey, what can I find here? And just transition almost immediately. Harder if you're out in an office, right? Yeah, exactly. But that still shows you from the second that I had the mindset going, no, 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 wait, I'm not doing that anymore. There was no week that I didn't have a client. I found a client later that week. I've never gone a day that I haven't had work. And now I have more than I can handle. And the, I, I didn't go to school for this. I started with my typing on Elance, you know, yeah. and it didn't even transition from all the death penalty stuff because I didn't use those contacts to build this. Oh, right. I see. Like it started yeah. again. Yeah. I basically built two international media profiles on two different things twice with like a decade between them. It's crazy. I'm yeah. good at this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish more people would actually come to that realization. Like you wouldn't have had to go and study it like you pointed out or anything like that. It's just if you really have a heart for it and you make that decision and you put your mind to it, you can actually achieve. It's down to that believing in yourself yeah. thing. Like it sounds so Pollyanna yeah. and all those people say it, but everything comes down to that believing in yourself. Exactly. It really does. Yeah. Very true. And then once you find that successful, going back to what you said earlier about platforms and yeah. changing the world, I always say when I'm talking to, you know, business focused podcasts, really business, yeah. I always say, so fine, this is how you build up yourself, then build up your brand, make your million dollars, whatever yeah. you got business people care about. But then now that you have your platform, you have that success platform money what do you do with that hopefully you realize there's more to that than just sitting there on your money and that you're doing something good in the world and you know to me that's the the important component of success you can climb to success i'll teach you how to get there but if you get there don't disappoint me (laughs) i want to see you do something with those platforms that's brilliant scene two cannabis oh yeah (laughs) So, described as someone who gives a voice to those who have none, you have dedicated your time to several causes, including, as you said, the, is it a 25-year campaign or 20-year campaign? For Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy Dennis was on on death row for 25 years. Our campaign was about 21, I guess. Okay, so roughly 20-year campaign to free the innocent musician Jimmy Dennis from death row. So, firstly, why... Do we hesitate to voice what we know is right? And I struggle with this all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, a lot of people are just afraid of being the voice in the wilderness or they, you know, mm-hmm. or, or they don't want to get into an argument. Right. These days are such incendiary times. You know, you, you dare to make an opinion. You're afraid 50 people are going to attack you, you know, for doing the right thing. Yeah, especially on social media. Exactly. You know, I'm happy to be called a social justice warrior. Thank you. I'll take that. That's fine. That's not an insult. (laughs) How is that an insult? I don't know. I'm fighting for social justice. In your world, that's a bad thing. Okay. (laughs) Well, secondly, according to you, who do you give voice to then now as a PR? So who are you a social justice warrior for? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's not all for my in the PR work. It's not all causes, yeah. right? I do. Yeah. I definitely work with some authors who say amazing things. They are a cause basically because the message that they're putting out in the world is 
you know, like specifically a cost. Then I also work with just entrepreneurs who are who are doing really cool things, you know. So whether it's a cool thing that impacts the world. Can you give an example? Yes, so sure. Like high B and B, for example, mm-hmm. is one. They just got funny. That power woman led, uh, you know, concept. She was in TV for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Her passion is cannabis, and you know when she wanted to leave, which we're legal in Canada, coast to coast, and here it's a, a major industry. Like it's a okay. bankers are involved. It's a huge industry, right? Like yeah. like it's not a little thing anymore. It's like butcher banker. Everybody, all the big money people are in that. So she left TV to say what could she build, and she decided to build it like a high B and B alter, Airbnb alternative okay. called High B and B. They just got five hundred thousand dollars in seed pre-seed funding, you know, because again, Canada, big business, coast to coast. Because it's legalization in Canada, but you can't smoke in hotels, for example. So people come from around the world to access, but they can't smoke in a, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so, and and also just people in the cannabis community, whether they use it medically or, um, you know, recreationally, like when you're going to stay, Mm -hmm. you obviously can't smoke in a hotel. You can't, you know, and they also have all kinds of experiences. Like if you want to learn about edibles, you can go to this person's house and they'll teach you in their kitchen. And so that's one example. So just a lady who wanted to build her own life with her passion. Mm -hmm. She's really cool. It's a cool thing that people are excited about. It's not a cause. So not everything is a cause. Yes, right. But there are people building their dream. You know, that woman, now she can leave the corporate life. She can leave. And now she's freeing herself. She's, uh, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah. it can be things like that, too. So it can be either the thing or the person that I'm behind. All right. So, you know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. it's just that you meet someone and that person, you're just like, they're so passionate about it. They're awesome. They're cool. They deserve this. Okay. They deserve to have their voice heard and be, you know, but my favorite are always those clients that I can call world changers. And they're (laughs) like, my publicist calls me a world changer. And I'm like, you are, look what you do. Look what you talk about. Like Francesca Mandea, she's originally African, but she lives in none of it. The coldest, most Northern part of Canada now. Talk about a life change. Her first book was about gender inequality, Mother Behold Thy Son. And her next book is about racial inequality. But her point is about how mothers actually have the power to change the world. Women have the power to change the world Mm -hmm. by the lessons we impart to the next generation, if we all really did. So that kind of stuff. I'm just privileged all the time, you know, with the people that... Or there's a 13-year-old girl, Bolu, that I met six months ago who was playing guitar in her room with a song called Make It Right, a commentary on injustice and racial injustice. Mm -hmm. And the song is from a little girl's point of view. It's time to make it right. A little plaintive voice. And everybody who hears it loves it. It's musically masterful as well. And so I've got her in the last six months. I mean, that, that's amazing to have those opportunities and meet all of those people. And of course, do something good for them. And to be trusted and privileged, like all these people continue to come to me. Yeah. So talking of giving voice to worthy causes and, but also the people that you meet and just people being very passionate about what they do. You've also been recognized for your work in the cannabis industry, promoting amongst others, the legalization of medical cannabis. Now this might be completely different in Canada as to like here in the UK. Mm. So whereas momentum might be gained with the use of the drug as medicine, which here it's minimum, there is still a quite a heavy stigma around its casual consumption. Yeah. And of course the businesses mm-hmm. related to it's like the one that you were talking about earlier. So how has your work as publicist contributed to this industry in general? 
that's been an interesting journey because I, you know, it, it kind of coincided with my beginning at work as a publicist mm-hmm. was 2012, and at that point I was a cannabis patient for long-term nausea. Okay. I don't think I'd gotten my license yet, but I had discovered that cannabis helped me instead of all this crazy pills the doctor yeah. would give me that weren't helping. Mm-hmm. So for actual extreme vomiting and nausea, it was helping me. So that was my introduction into like knowing mm-hmm. some of those people. We were not legal in Canada yet. Medical was definitely legal, okay. legal for a decade in Canada. So mm-hmm. that's been you know. And now there's my first clients in the space were a doctor, Dr. Ira Price, okay. who's an emergency room doctor right. who works for some of the top sporting teams in the country, and he's also an advocate for cannabis mm-hmm. to get people off opiates. So that was one of my right. first clients in the space. But also people would see my work, you know, the other work I was doing, and they were like, "Hey, we really need you to help get our messaging out." So oh, I was like, "Actually, yeah, you do." Right. So I would help, you know, help them do the professionalization of the messaging so that they could reach the media. And these are the days. So we were medically legal. I started my work in cannabis in 2012 Mm -hmm. in the recreational and adult use advocacy community leading up to 2018 when it became legal coast to coast. So yeah, so to, to understand the situation in Canada, legal coast to coast recreationally for two and a half years yeah. now and the space is such that like every company are the big coffee co- coffee companies like our uh second cup which is like a starbucks yeah. they're one of the biggest companies that owns they also own cannabis you know production facility so when you talk about cannabis in canada it's hugely corporate it's no longer an underground thing no. it's like the bankers the big money people they're the ones you know running the show right but i mean the potential of the industry is huge but that's the thing and but it's interesting to be in the space because a lot of the advocates a lot of women interesting from women perspective a lot of the people who built it and got us to here were women okay. and the people who built it up here, yeah. like our women, the bakers, mm-hmm. the a lot of them. However, now that now that we become corporate, it came out in the news store in news the other day, financial press. Ninety six percent of the in Canada, in Canada, a hugely diverse country mm-hmm. where women built the cannabis yeah. industry. Now ninety six percent of the boardrooms are white men. <laughs> Men and white. So we have a lot of work to do in diverse. We're like, wow. And this is where we're creating a new industry, Mm -hmm. right? So forget that it's cannabis for a minute, but we're creating a new industry, a brand new industry. How the heck are we? No, no, no. We're doing a lot of work now Mm -hmm. to open the doors to make sure that it's diverse. And it looks like Canada. People of color have to be at those tables. Absolutely. And women have to be at those tables. So (laughs) that's the work we're doing in Canada now. Just a business like any other. And we got to make sure the big old bankers don't it's shocking to hear that though because obviously i didn't know now if you have an opinion this um why do you why do you think like countries like england still refuse to legalize it there's always those conservatives i mean we had the conservatives here too they just lost when justin trudeau got in and when he was talking about legalization he was mocked big time in that thing i mean it was quite surprising that he managed to get in he got in and he was brave enough to say, no, I'm going to do it. He did it without listening to those voices because they have a lot of those yeah. voices everywhere does. He said, no, 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 that's ridiculous. We're doing this for this reason. And he came in not saying we're not doing it because it's party time. He, his angle was we're doing it to restrict access to the young people. We're going to set this in. We're going to do it properly. And then we're going to blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's the argument when the day with the mm-hmm. Senate, with the count, with all that. And now two and a half years later, we're like, even on a year, it was funny, a month after legal 
legalization, which we'd all been advocating for for years. And now a year in, you know, two years in. But even a month after we were like, I posted, I was them smart ass right i was like show us the bodies where are all the bodies that we heard about for 100 years where are the car accidents where's the violence where's the there's not been any increase so we can i'm proud to say canada's proving all that was lies because we've been legal for two and a half years now in a western country and we don't have increased car accidents we don't have increased it we don't have it is not problematic you know so i think it's just a matter of those old voices it was propaganda that people believed so if you believe that something is really bad of course you're not going to want to we already have problems with alcohol Mm -hmm. we already have you know why would you want to so that argument makes sense but when you look at the other things about people have never stopped doing it, they're going to continue to do it on the frame of those things. It's not anywhere near as harmful as what you're thinking. Plus, it's got these huge medicinal properties. Plus, yeah, I mean, you know, so I think we're going to see you guys are going to follow and other people are going to follow yeah. because we're proving that those things were, weren't true. And then on the other side, we're making all kinds of money and they're, they're putting it into taxes and they can do yeah. things for schools that can do all that. So eventually governments are going to see all the benefits. They're going to see the benefits and realize we were operating on a false standard, right? So Exactly. But even so, benefits and everything. Sometimes when we are outspoken about a contentious yeah. topic, we risk being discredited. So you're always going to have the people oh, yeah. saying, well, mm-hmm. you're in support of this. So I can't believe anything you say. You yeah. basically like you just discredited yourself. So in light of your role in the cannabis industry, yeah. what is your opinion on this? And I can tell you yep. now, like if I were openly for cannabis tomorrow on all my like social media and everything, I will lose people's support. Yeah. So what's your opinion? Well, that's absolutely true when you're dealing with, I mean, that's what yeah. stigma does, right? And I mean, we, we take it away from cannabis for a minute and talk about mental health. Now we're reducing stigma you know, mm-hmm. towards mental health. There were times when people would not mention, if they mentioned that they even had a, a, a moment of mental health frailty, their job yeah. potential was done, you know? So say, that's that's what stigma yeah. does, right. right? But you're right. So, and there were times, I mean, even in Canada where we, where we were legal medically and where stigma has been re- reducing over the last 10 years, you know, slowly, before it was legal in Canada, there are people I'm sure that saw me advocating, you know, because I was right out there as a cannabis advocate yeah. because I'm honest and genuine and that was helping me, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure there are people that turned away and decided not to come to me as a publicist. But the same as anything else, I always say be genuine. In these days, you, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. Obviously, if you're in an illegal market, it's a different story, you know, because you can't yeah, be exactly. you know, That's a different story. But I mean, in terms of here where we were medical, I started, we were medically legal. I started, I made the decision, no, I'm going to be open about my medical use because I'm successful. People see me being successful, especially as I get increasingly successful and I get all these awards and they see me rock in my field. They see that I'm no idiot, that I'm talking intelligently, that I'm educating people across the world on this, you know, and yet I've smoked one an hour before I talk to you and I'm going to smoke one an hour after, you know, that one might've been medical. The next one might be recreational. I don't know, but I took that on, <laughs> but I took, it's Canada. We can do that. Oh, Canada, Canada. Canada. <laughs> two ends now <laughs> i joke about that all the oh, time all right. Canada. no it's just yeah, one end like, but isn't that isn't that funny yeah, second exactly. country to legalize it's never Canada. thought about it no. so there you go so i started but i, I very consciously made that decision to be public about that because i was not breaking yeah. the law i was medical and, I, and legitimately yeah. medical i mean i i you know, it was helping me a lot because I went to the doctors for other stuff and they couldn't find a solution. They were throwing me Nexium mm-hmm. and whatever else. Oh, stomach. Okay. 
none of them worked. So, you know, I found the solution I worked. I would smoke a little and get yeah. to work. And so I made the decision to be open about that. If it moves me contact, that's fine. But I think it also, you know, normalized. I think I like to think that I'm part of breaking that stigma because I have friends across the board from media. And even while it was illegal, still legal medically, but but not legal recreationally, there was still a stigma attached, yeah. right? If you're smoking, you join, you have to explain, yeah. no, it's medical, you know. So I had friends who were police officers who never touched it. I had friends who were politicians, high-level politicians, all on my Facebook. And it was funny to see the reaction because I would always post, hey, I'm medical, I'm legal, blah, 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 not breaking any laws, yeah. you know. As, as they see that as a small part of my life with all my other successes, I had this one politician in Canada say to me, I have never touched it in my life, but, you know, seeing the way you use it, it almost looks yeah. a little relaxing. <laughs> because she's because she was able to yeah. break down because she sees me as a success, not an idiot, but as a successful person that she would mm -hmm. like to be like. And yet, huh, huh. So I it breaks, I started mm -hmm. to break down that oh. stigma. So one of the answers is, we are all honest about our use in Canada. We're like, that's right, I'm a Canada. And we started doing that years later. And maybe it, it does cut off some of our, you know, we were legal mm -hmm. though again, right? But it, medically at least. So yeah. it may cut off some people who decide. But that that's the same with that doctor I worked with. He was an emergency room doctor. And when he started talking about cannabis, sure, some people, whenever you're an outlier, yeah. some people in his field thought, oh, he's crazy. You know, what is he talking about? But then now he's educating people around the world on it. And they have him speaking on panels and, yeah. you know, so some Sometimes you have to take that risk. You know, if you're in deep South Alabama and you start speaking out against racism, some people will also look at you funny and you'll lose. Exactly. Friends. So it's once again just being true to yourself. And hopefully, if you do that in a genuine and, and open way, then you'll have the people who follow you and those who don't. Well, do you want them to follow you? Do you want their support? <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I said. Like, I'm quite happy. You know, I do not want the business of any yeah. racist. So I'm quite happy to tell all racists. You know, in any forum, please stay away from my company. If you have any little tiny racist idea in your mind, don't want your money, yeah. don't want your business. So I'm happy yeah, to cut them exactly. off. You know, everybody has to make that evaluation for yourself about how public you want to be in because there's always a trade-off. And not everyone is comfortable being pointed at either. Some people are like able to take it and say, hey, look, I'll tell you why. Other people are like, if somebody looks at them and they, you know, they're not comfortable having to be put in a defensive position. So it's not no, for everybody either, right? But follow your own heart. <laughs> okay, well, on that note, if anything, after, especially after the political upheaval of the last couple of years and the emergence of fake news, of course, and the manipulation of the media to reflect the ideologies of those in power to their advantage, media attention is not always a good thing either. Now, what is the purpose of media, according to you? And then using an example, how do you choose your clients and how do you perceive your role within all of this, all that's happening? So the bigger picture in terms of media, number one is for information. And, you know, in order for us to gather that information, we need to hear voices from different sources. You know, we need to hear different voices. So my job is to, you know, is to get my clients, the people that pay me into media, yeah. right? That's my job. That's my job. Whoever pays me to get me into media. My activism and my role is to make sure that I choose those people well. And so that I'm not allowing people to pay me to get in the media that aren't, you know, 
ethically. This is the way I think of it. If you're not using your, we all have social media for free. And if you don't know how to use your social media well to put something good into the world, if I go look at your socials and it's all negative and bad and stuff I don't want to be a part of, then I don't want to be a part of that. So my, my business role is to, you know, People pay me, I get their stories in the media. My activist role, you know, my my personal role is to make sure that anything I do in the world is only going to put good things out. And that includes my business. So I only allow people that, you know, fit that. Mm. That's a personal yeah. judgment, right? I mean, other people have a different, you know, you go to a big major corporation, they probably pay you for whatever you want to any messaging you want to put out there, but I want to be proud at the end of the day. I started as an advocate and an activist and, you know, I don't want to lose that path. I'm always, I always want to be happy at the end of the day, you know, that everything I've put out there has either been amazingly good or it certainly hasn't done any harm. It's it's elevated people's businesses and made the money without hurting the world. And I mean, that's such a rare thing uh, because whenever there's a question of money, some people will let go of their morals and what they believe in to get more clients or whatever the case might be you know people are afraid to lose a client but you don't have mm-hmm. to be like your people like you said people will find you your vibe will attract if 10 people walk away because you know you send 10 people away don't worry that space will be filled yes. scene three getting repped for good so your motto is build yourself your brand and others up This perhaps also underlies your upcoming book, Getting Wrapped with Effective Public and Media Relations. Now, the role of social media and influencers have become increasingly important in the promotion of messages to the public. And this is something that I don't know a lot about in terms of PR work. So is your work as a PR closely linked to social media? And do you see yourself as a type of influencer? So people call me an influencer, but um, I've moved away from the social media a lot. Like in terms of I help my clients with their social media, I can help them with their messaging. But I've discovered now that me being the social media person is not the best use of my time because a lot of people know how to do that, but they don't know how to do they don't know how to attack the actual media. You know, they don't know how to okay. get in the yeah. news and all that. So I used to do a lot of creating the social media pages and monitoring mm-hmm. them and all that stuff. But now I, I more usually suggest that we farm that out or we get a younger person in, you know, a young person mm-hmm. in who, who knows all that. And they knew they know TikTok better than I do and all that stuff. Right. And then I just take care of the media more now. But I definitely okay. work closely with that because it's all a part of the messaging. And it's just like, the, you know, I'm not, I don't do marketing, but mm-hmm. if you have a marketing department, I'm working with the marketing department because what they're saying, I might want to tell them what to say or what they're saying matters too. You know, like, yeah, if you have a company where it's you've got all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I just thought that probably all of the messages need to be in line. And I think social media is used quite a lot now also for like mass. Oh yeah. Promotion of messages. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so I'll tell, yeah. we'll have someone doing the actual social media yes, work, exactly. but I'll be directing them and I'll be telling them what we need and hear press releases and hear some small okay. versions of um, how you can chop up our press release, you know, into okay. make, to make yeah. media message, social messaging. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And then whether as celebrities, artists or entrepreneurs, our public image, how people perceive us basically, has a major impact on whether we do well or not. This is just how it is. So others' perception of us will Mm -hmm. determine how we do. Yet public image can be very fragile. Now, can you summarize three tips for effective public and media relations for businesses or anybody who really just needs to promote themselves and get a message out there? 
for anybody. Yeah. So um, really, number one, get, get your little pitch together, which is like a one. It's not your resume. It's a little one paragraph kind of thing about why you'd be a, a, a compelling guest or why you be, you know, why you're why you should be quoted, that kind of thing. And actually look for these opportunities because there are lots of media opportunities you don't you not need to have a publicist for. But as long as you understand when I say what I say, pitch, which is yeah. how you present yourself as a potential interview. Right. There's kind of pod matching services, pod match matchmaker that connects podcast guests, you know, high yes. profile guests or people who want to be on podcasts with uh, the programs. But in the same way, there's also services that connect you with reporters. I've gotten clients in Reader's Digest, in New York Times, in Oprah.com, in The List, Good Housekeeping, just using things like Help a Reporter Out, Harrow, which is a free service, or Source mm -hmm. Bottle in Australia another free service where you where reporters are daily going there looking for sources when they're on deadline so there's there it is they're getting a lot of answers but it's all about answering quickly you know presenting yourself with the pitch at the source and giving them the kind of content they want and you yeah. do not need to have a publicist to do that you just need to know how to how to present it okay and Those then two. Those were two, yes. And then what do you think in terms of podcasts? Because that's like a new thing that's coming up. Well, I don't know how, it's not really new, but I mean, the way it's being used is very different from the past. It's insane. I, it's, it's hugely insane. So especially if you're business to business, because I've been using podcasts for a long time for my clients as mm -hmm. alternate media sources, right? Additional yes. media sources. And that's how I was thinking of them as additional media, which they are. But what I've noticed since I started doing them and I've been on, you know, like, 60 so far and I have another 60 that I'm going to be on between now and April just around the world and what I've noticed in doing the business to business podcast is and I can't stress this enough you guys if you have a service that's business to business it is huge marketing and huge networking right now right now 2020 and 2021 four podcasters in the last month have hired me and I wasn't looking to get jobs and doing podcasts, but okay. just because they're also entrepreneurs and they're also yeah. in business. And we're oh, talking okay. about, you know, mm -hmm. in detail about the work that I do. And they're like, at the end, they're like, I think I need to hire you. I'm like, you're right. You probably yeah, well, do. You know? exactly so they're hiring me to build their brand. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. And I'm happy to do it. Cause yeah. we all, that's exactly, see what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what I do is I, you know, I build the brands. And like I say to, like I was saying to one podcaster, he speaks to entrepreneurs all day. And yeah. I said, exactly. If I was pitching you, I'd be saying, and he wasn't even asking, but I was just explaining the pitch. And I said, for example, I'd be saying, you know, Brian has his, has his finger on the pulse of entrepreneurs in America, what they care about right now. He can talk to people day to day across the nation, you know, about how their business, across industries, about how their business is faring, the solutions they're finding during COVID. So right there, he's an awesome guest. He's yeah. like, wow. I'm like, well, isn't that what you do all day? You know, and, yeah, so, exactly. and that's what it's about, right? So then, yeah. so then he's like, I'm going to hire you to put on the exactly. So then I can get you or him into other media, into other podcasts, yeah. quoted in those articles. And then after a month, you're like, oh my God, that's how you build the brand. And they start calling you a thought leader and you get the award. And also you mentioned the awards, right? Mm -hmm. When yeah. people started nominating for me, me for awards, I started going, what's the first thing I did is I went and nominated my clients. I'm like, power woman. I know lots of power women. And two of them ended up winning too. But, you oh, know, yeah. so that made me realize that there's a lot of award, even that we 
we weren't in the mix because we weren't thinking about them. Mm-hmm. So I started doing all these research. Turns out there's all kinds of international awards for women that women all over the world can apply for, but we didn't know about them. Did you? Yeah. No, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> L'Oreal has an amazing a business award. L'Oreal, it's a business award about inspirational women in business, blah, blah, blah. And if you win, they take you to Paris and they think, oh yeah, there's yeah. all this, you know. But things no that you just don't know about. <laughs> Yeah. That's why I find those opportunities yeah. for my clients. So I find opportunities for my clients to be elevated in media, to be on award stages, to be mm-hmm. in speaking, you know, to yeah. to talk and whatever you're an expert in, there's media for that. So you definitely think it's worth for businesses, entrepreneurs, and people who want to get the mes- message out there to use podcasts as well. And obviously, you absolutely hundred percent. Yeah. All right. And the good thing about podcasts too is if you don't have any other media, like say you haven't had other media interviews, right? Uh, And I do podcasts even though I have other media because I find them, it's it's different kind. You get to get a lot more out. But but if you haven't, having a long form podcast interview where you're able to talk about what you do Mm -hmm. is gold. Now you can take that and add that to your pitch, you know, when you're talking to local radio or whatever. Now look, you can listen to what the segment was like. I mean, the potential of it is, great like there's so much you can do with it if you think about it. yeah and people are hugely yeah. Im- impressed too when you share that on your page here i was a guest on regeneration studio you know your clients will share yeah. that it just differentiates you from everybody yeah. else exactly so are there common mistakes that people make when trying to promote a message or should we just be relentless in trying to get heard and you know just like soldier on or what do you think? Both. Well, you got to be relentless and, you know, finding opportunities and not yeah. giving up and getting, but in terms of how you reach out to those opportunities, yeah, people make a lot of mistakes and they can burn bridges with media as quickly as you can build them. Mm-hmm. Number one thing, think of a- advertorial versus editorial. The media is quite aware of what their space is worth. They would like you to go and buy an ad if it's not newsworthy. So make sure you understand the difference between what's advertorial, which is what entrepreneurs are usually thinking, my product's better, the things you put in an ad, those are not the things you see in the news. So how do you get in the news? Is the editorial. What do I know about that? Like a topical release about something that might be continuing in the press that you can add a different voice to, or you're giving an idea that is actually newsworthy, not necessarily newsworthy, like hot breaking news but yeah. of interest to their audience and did you know this is a thing or you know so giving them content is key as opposed to just sending advertorial stuff because all you're going to do then is make them not open your next email and yeah. when you do here's a good tip too when you do have that story you think you have it all down you've got an amazing story for them you've got their contact you want to reach out that subject line is everything because you and i don't open every email we get and neither do they no. they get okay. a thousand emails so it's got to be you make sure it says news release or for a media release or news advisory or something right there so they know you're not just sharing something you found somewhere mm-hmm. right so they know this is information you're giving them and then the who what where the intro you know why is it interesting has to be right there and get them in the subject line because if you don't get them right there they're you, you could have an amazing story an amazing press release not even getting open so okay all right thank you for sharing that now lastly to wrap everything up that we've said and this is going back again to the power woman question given the way women grow up and the role models that they have they may naturally feel there is no point in trying to become a power woman in trying to compete with men in the important sectors of life, politics, science, technology, business, justice. In fact, you you fall within the rare category of women who are known for something other than fashion, beauty, fitness, you know, the usual things. 
So as someone who has earned this reputation for her selfless dedication to social justice and the cause of others, will women ever really be taken as seriously as men? I think it really, you know, on an individual level, a lot of us are, you know, it takes a, a struggle. I and mean, we were talking, I was talking about this with somebody yesterday who's in the world of finance, a black woman in the world of finance. And I was talking to her about how, you know, she's a rarity, even just as a woman in the world of finance, because there are all those white men in suits that we talked yeah. about. And she was talking about how when she gets to the table, it's it's all very much in the way she, you know, responds to and same with me I'm, I'm not only one but i'm the crazy i'm a fat girl i have crazy red hair you know i come to the table but you're gonna listen to me because i know i know and if you don't listen to me i'm not gonna be at the table you know yeah. so like she said the way she frames things like she has them listening to her yeah because they, they you know she insists on it you know okay. so a lot of the times there's those barriers and then there's our own barriers okay. where we're afraid to speak up where we're socialized not to where we do what we're expected to do mm -hmm. you know and sometimes if we're brave enough to break that what they're expecting us to do mm -hmm. and we sit at the table we're like no no no, hold on hey buddy over here i, I was talking instead of just sitting yeah. there waiting because they won't they won't come to you they won't wait you know what i mean no. we have to like be aggressive sometimes in those ways and then if we are they'll be like oh this one i won't mess with and if we have to do that on an individual level and then pull our sisters in mm -hmm. you know yeah. but that's what it comes down to you every single person listening you you and your expertise you have the right to be at that table you know what you're talking about don't let anybody tell you you're different understand your own value and be there you know, and then it makes it a lot harder to discount you. Don't be the one that they're allowed to discount, even yeah. if they're discounting people. And then you can make them realize they shouldn't be discounting anybody, you know? Yes. Oh, I think that's so true. It's just like basically standing your ground. Yeah. But don't you think that media actually re still reflects a different image of women? And how does the media actually influence it negatively? Because just thinking of social media again, you're right. And not even just social media. Just the other day, there's a, a new show started. I don't know if it's a British show or an English, uh, American show taking yeah. place in London, but I was all excited to watch it because it's a new show about four power women publicists. Okay. So I'm going to watch it. I'm all excited, right? But you know what? The first 10 minutes, yeah. they're sleeping with their actor clients. Uh, I'm like, give okay. me a break. So what that yeah. is, is basically it's somebody else's fantasy thinking yeah. Because like civilians think, right. oh, there's nothing more awesome than sleeping with an actor, you know. Yeah. But see how that's so unpowering because it's supposed to be these power women publicists and their first power move is having sex with the actor client. We're like, no, 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 no. The actor client wishes. The yeah. actor client, they're trying to impress us because they know who got them famous, you know. Yeah, exactly. But that's like, you know, to present that on media as here's a power, that's a great chance to show what a, a power job Instead, no, right away, where are we going? The women are taking off their clothes and yeah, exactly. like having sex with the famous, powerful guy. So that's, that's what you're saying right there, right? Even the powerful women are portrayed as, what do they want to do the most? Oh, they want to have sex with that powerful guy. Of course we do. Give me a break. It was bothering me so much three days later. I was like, I'm still so mad that 10 minutes in, she's having sex with the actor. And my actor, Clyde, is he's going, LOL, on Facebook. That must have been such a letdown right yeah. i'm waiting to see a little but yeah so, but that but that speaks to what you're mm -hmm. saying is that even when women are being portrayed as powerful we still have to be portrayed as like mm -hmm. whatever they're expecting to, yes, you know so the stereotypes yeah it's stupid i hope things change it's gotten a bit better though i was watching a show from the 80s the other day that i remember watching as a teenager right and yeah. then it was just like 
came up on YouTube and I watched it. And I, by the end, I was like, oh my God, that they would never be able to get away with now. And it was about women, the portrayal of women, okay. even though we still see this. It was like an office kind of show. And I was like, oh my God. So it, there was still, there was enough things that you realized like now would never fly. So it made me realize that incrementally we are changing this by this. Yes. And then I saw that show about the publicist. Well, I think if anything, it's women like you who show that we should be taken seriously, basically, and that the portrayal should change as well. And there should be more positive Absolutely. portrayals of power women. Exactly. And then women themselves need to realize that they all actually are and they just need to be it. Yeah. That's what I say. We all are. We all are. Yeah. Our women. I always say exactly. that. If, even if you don't have to be elevated to whatever position, if you just got up today and you were helping people, if people are counting on you or you know what? You just wanted to jump off a bridge and you didn't. You got this far. You know what I mean? Own your power. You made it. A lot of people put a lot of crap on you and just believe in yourself and, you know, take your dream a little further. Yes. Well, this was amazing. And thank you so much for joining me again, Tracy. Thank you. It was amazing. Really good questions. Thank you. Where can people find out more about Lamori Media, your upcoming book, and just you in general? So find me on Instagram where you can follow up to the minute all my clients and all my projects, and mm -hmm. all my interviews. And that's Tracy Lamori PR Media or LamoriMedia.com just for the website. Tracy Lamori on Facebook, LamoriPR at gmail.com if you want to talk about a 30-minute free consultation about, you know, getting your particular message out there. Happy to do a free 30-minute consult with anybody who calls and says they heard me here. Yep. And you can also call me at 289-788-5881 in Toronto, or Beverly Hills number is 424-444-8052. Great, wonderful. Thank you once again. And then before we go, I have a couple of quick fire questions. Feel free to elaborate as much as you like, just so that listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Okay. So what is the most recent film series you watched, besides the one that you mentioned, podcast you listened to or book you read? The most recent, I should look on my Netflix, actually. But the, the film series that comes to my mind, not the most recent, but the last mm -hmm. yeah, last week, I've, I've been watching The Purge. Ooh. The Purge, you know, okay. which I think America might be going in that direction. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's just crazy sci-fi, horrible, dystopian thing. Anyway, yeah, so hopefully okay. things get better and don't go there. <laughs> it oh. seems like America oh. sometimes. Yeah. And But podcast podcast this one i was actually listening oh. to you earlier today right. you know in thank preparation you. for this so yeah. and it's a great one yeah oh thank you book um i well i recently mentioned i mentioned francisca so that's what mm -hmm. i've been reading most recently yeah. francisca mandea um mother behold thy son and she's got a new one called racial inequality okay. uh, and if i can mention this song mention a song oh, jimmy yeah. dennis oh. you know the guy that oh, i helped yeah. get off death row he's a musical artist now so whenever people ask to come and see me on the internet that's fine but please go see jimmy first because jimmy dennis music on all streaming platforms, they stole his voice for 25 years. Now he's got a voice. Right. So it's really important that we listen to it, I think. So yeah. please download his latest song. is called Tears This Year. Mm -hmm. And it's about all the crap that everyone's mm -hmm. gone through this year, like mm -hmm. everything, and how we're going to get out of it on the other side. So when a guy who spent 25 years on death row says never, never give up, we should listen. <laughs> uh, I will definitely check that out. Thank you for sharing Thank it. You. And then what important truth do very few people agree with you on? 
people never tell me when they don't agree with me. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> they're like, I'm not going to argue with Baba Fire. Um, what important truth do very few people agree with me on? I don't know. I would say maybe in America, I would say, I, I think I think the United States needs a complete overhaul of its criminal justice system. Maybe a lot of people don't understand that. I yeah. believe that from you know the cannabis issue that we were talking about before, to, more importantly, right up to you know the death penalty and the, the insane racial issues that that speak to a lot of what happens in the American justice system. So a complete overhaul of the U.S. justice system. I'm not a criminalist. They'll have to figure out how to fix it. But I can tell them all the problems. It's definitely, and, and, and those are things that affect all of society and that we see the results of in the rest of society yeah, too. So true. that's one truth that people probably don't agree with me on because they don't understand. <laughs> right. Thank you. And then what's the biggest challenge you have overcome? This sounds like a little thing, but so for the first time ever, I'm trying to lose weight. Like literally I didn't care. I don't care. But my doctor says at 51, I have to care. So now I've been trying to lose weight. So for the last 11 days and counting 11 days, I haven't had one bad thing to eat or drink. I'm only drinking like lemon water. This is a big thing. And I have not thrown out any of it. Okay. It's all up there. If I wanted to go and, eat all my old cheddar cheese and chips I could. I'm not throwing it out. I don't need to. I just don't touch it. So anyway, that is a challenge. And I said that even though it's not a big business challenge, because sometimes oh. personal challenges are the hardest ones. And, you know, I can, I'm saying to myself, I can beat everything else. I'm not going to let that old cheddar cheese beat me. I can't tell you how much I needed to hear that. That's so great. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so true, isn't it? That the personal challenges sometimes are the biggest ones and they then translate into our other spheres of our life. Exactly. What is your favorite travel destination and why? Oh, anything that's not in my house right now. Outside. <laughs> But like in, in 20... Outside, out there. In 2019, I was lucky enough, so privileged for work to travel literally from, from Las Vegas to, to, to Los Angeles, from the Mediterranean to the Caribbean, from Malta to, mm -hmm. you know... So I don't have a favorite, but if you ask me where I would go, you know, when things open up again, I think I want to go back to Europe because other than the trip to Malta, I haven't been to Europe in, or England in like since I was 21 and I'm 51. And when I was in Malta briefly on business last year, I had lots of travelers from all over Europe there. And a young person said to me, I said, I haven't been in Europe since 30 years. And they looked at me with like horror on their face. They're like, why? And I was like... I don't know. That's crazy, right? So I think yeah. <laughs> back to Europe, you know, remind myself that we're not stuck where we find ourselves. Exactly. Even though we Get are yourself right now. to Europe, Tracy. Exactly. <laughs> And then just to wrap everything up, what one piece of advice would you give to someone wishing to be a PR or a human rights activist? Human rights activists, everybody should be just start speaking out when you see something wrong. Don't be afraid to speak out whether in whatever your whatever your realm is, your Facebook, your sometimes just at the table can be the most important, you know, around the people around you. Don't let those moments go by without you speaking up, you know, in defense of people who need you to speak up for them. In terms of a publicist, here's a five year course. I didn't take it. And when people take it, they come to me and then they want to start you know, learning how to mm. do it. So just do it and find, you know, there's things like Elance, there's things like 
Upwork. PR is basically communications and connections. You can get the connections later if you're good at the communication. So if you know how to write, learn how to write a press release, speak locally. Go speak to a couple of your clients, uh, potential clients, local little businesses. You know, everybody has a story and suggest to them. And then if you figure out how to write that story and learn how to follow the heroine and all that, there's, you know, so there's all kinds of actual things you can do. And you can just start doing them, start putting yourself out there from home right now, right now during, you know, COVID. Everybody has the possibility, you have the screen in front of you. So whatever you want to do, the world is out there looking for you right now. Okay. Fab, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this narrative journey, please subscribe to our podcast. You can also leave us a rating and review on Apple as we love to hear your feedback. It helps more people find this podcast and helps us share these amazing stories of difficult roads and beautiful destinations in business and art. Stories that could make a small difference in someone else's life. Join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.